What a twist! Oh, oh that was yeah. so great. Sure, uh, Cobra yeah. friends. Anyways, uh, welcome to What's Happening, the podcast in which Sam and Cameron watch The Happening once a week and review it afterwards. I'm Sam. I'm Cameron. And we had a couple special guests with us today. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Would you like to introduce yourselves? Uh, my name's Emerson. And I'm uh, Danny. All right, I'm good Danny. to know. I'm, I'm Danny. Yes. And and you are both uh, you're both film people in one way or another. Yes, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Yes, in one way or another, it's wonderful. So, what was the experience watching the movie tonight? It's like somebody took a bottle of glass and put it in a blender, and then poured it into my eyes. All right. Yeah. Good to know. That's uh, exactly what I was feeling. I just didn't know how to put it into words, but just general pain, I guess. General pain. I see. Would you yeah. say general pain drove a tank? Through you and gave you exhausting pain. Yes, actually. That, All right, that's, good. that's yeah. a good description. I figured out the analogy for it. Oh, what's the analogy? It's like you have a friend whose mom uh, says she's like a massage therapist, and like she's like she always going on about how good massage she gives. She gives. So she's like, like one day, like she's like, oh, let her give me a. So she's giving you a massage, but it's just a terrible massage. And then every so often, she just punches you in the back, like she's giving you this terrible massage, and every so often, she just punches you in the back. So it is. Is the massage the movie and the masseuse M. Night? Yes. Okay. M. Night Shyamalan is the worst massage. And then every once in a while, Zoe Deschanel just comes in and you basically just absorbed into her eyes. She just stares you directly in the eyes as you're lying on the massage table. Yeah, her eyes are something else. Her eyes, like, they're really good most of the time, just not here. No, really. Just not here and not now. Um, so, let's just jump into things and let's start off on a positive note. Uh, There's a segment we like to call. Uh, good filmmaking in bad film, in which we take a point of the movie that was actually good filmmaking during the course of this bad film. Yeah. Does, does anyone and have yeah, any film? As film people, you might have noticed something in here that you were just like, huh, you know, that was kind of okay. I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, good start. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's hard... To really pick anything. I know it's in there, but you know, it's just like, if I know there's a needle in a haystack, I can't see the needle. All I can see is the haystack right now. Alright, yeah. so I'll, I'll go first. I'm going to take something that Cameron said. Uh, the paint on the doors in the old lady's house reminds me of the TARDIS. It, oh, that it, was a nice... It made me feel good. Yeah. Was, all, all the moments where they referenced something that made me think of something better than this yes. movie yeah. made me feel good. Yeah, it, like, it took me out like for a couple seconds. Yeah. I was well, like, oh yeah, remember The Exorcist? Because she mentioned it. Except... Jess makes incorrect movie thing like references like twice. She says the fatal attraction guy. It's a it's a girl that that fries the bunnies. A twist. Yeah. yeah, and it's in the exor like this lady's full on exorcist. It's like no, she didn't do anything exorcist. She's not, just kind of crazy. Really. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I picked yeah. up. Yeah, I really like the. I wish that this movie was a comedy just so that that uh, Zoe Deschanel's character could be the person who's always making. Like incorrect movie references. Oh man, it's like the end of Sixth Sense when like the boat is attacked by the shark. <laughs> uh, no, uh, Elmo, 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 no. Elmo. Elmo. Ah, perfect. Uh, let's. Hi, you guys. Why are you here right now? What What drove you to be here? Could it possibly have been a a short film maybe uh, two young men are making right are we now. Promoting that? I thought what? we were just gonna get Chipotle and then this happened. Yeah. This um, happened. I you still haven't given me the key to unlock the uh, ankle chains. Yeah. So, uh, I'd really uh, like to go home now. Shh, 
we like to call just, them just the hot dog that. chains. The hot dog oh, chains. Oh, oh, yeah. Let's oh, talk. I, guys, <laughs> I, appreciate I, want, I, want, I want you to. I want you to talk a little bit about hot dog man. You know, but, I gotta say, hot it, dogs are underrated. They're very underappreciated. Their shape is actually pretty nice. And like, I gotta say, that lazy eye just it, it entices yeah. me. I didn't know he had a lazy eye for like half of it until he looked at like Zoe Deschanel and was like, "Hey, you know how plants talk to other plants." Yeah, like and blinking all the time with his fisheye face. Like, that actor was in Brother Where Art Thou, which is one of my favorite movies. Yeah, he was. <laughs> um, and I think that works because he just kind of physically looks like a prospector stuck in the early 20th century. This is true. Cheese and crackers. Well, that wasn't him. Cheese and crackers. <laughs> Cheese and crackers was, was the, the, the skinniest military policeman I've ever seen. Like, yeah. the least threatening guy. I know, like, yeah. that's, that's like a sitcom in and of itself, is like the skinny military policeman who's like trying to solve military police crimes uh, also why is it that like everyone when they start really like, most people when they get affected by the wind or the plant pollen gas they will start repeating what they were already saying mm-hmm. but when the military police guy gets affected he just stops and just starts screaming something well, he, he just starts yeah. rattling off like his like military tweets and then there's the girl who says she sees in calculus as well Yep, we had a, in a previous episode of What's Happening, huh. we talked a lot about how the logic for the toxin makes no sense. No, it just, at all. like, does it, anything it, in this movie make sense? No. Zoe Deschanel's eyes. That doesn't make sense. No, but hey, one guy's brings, perfect face. Brings me to a segment I like to call, best one-line character. There are lots of characters in this movie that just have a singular line. And my personal favorite... Global warming. It was beautiful. It's so beautiful. Was there one line in this movie that you felt was like, just... But delivered by a character who only had that one uh, line. Maybe two lines, but, you know... I'm definitely going with M. Night Shyamalan's, uh... Hello? Cameo. When yeah. he just said the word hello. Hello? As, as Joey, the, um, obsessed co-worker. That was good, because that, they had tiramisu. Can you blame the guy? Yeah. I mean, that's good, because that was my roommate's last week. Is just M. Night Shyamalan is really... He pulls it in for this role. You know what's great? Huh. I can actually imagine M. Night Shyamalan in real life as being the kind of guy who would go on a date. Not even a date. Like, he would, like, after work, he would, like, go have dessert with a girl and then repeatedly keep calling her after, like, Hey, did you see the Sixth Sense yet? Yeah, yeah, cool. I also want to direct Unbreakable. <laughs> it would be way better if she answered the phone instead of saying hello, just went, Unbreakable. Do you, do you think when M. Night Shyamalan gives his scripts to like production companies, he just sits them down and shows them Unbreakable or The Sixth Sense? And I, they're like, okay, no, so I you might make us another one of these. I think that's these. what happens. I think he shows them, he just hands his, his resume, and it's just the poster of The Sixth Sense. Like, I think he doesn't even show them the script for whatever he's making. No, he's he like, just, trust me, yeah. guys. Look no, at I, this. And I think that, like, I think that's actually his outgoing voicemail, too. It's like, hi, you reached M. Night Shyamalan, director of The Sixth Sense. Uh, please leave a message. I didn't direct any other movies. Yep. You know what? Uh, you know what Emmett Shyamalan is? You know what he is? Hmm. He's the director equivalent of a lottery ticket. Ooh. Because he he's. You're... It's a waste of time most of the time. Yeah. Most of the time, you buy a lottery ticket, it's not going to result in anything. But there is a chance that he might make an amazing movie. Or there's the chance that he makes like a solid movie, like Unbreakable, so you get like three or four numbers. Like you got a free ticket. You get another free ticket. I look one number off, so you get like two hundred bucks. I would compare him more to like the kid of a famous person because you know they're expected to produce something really, really famous, so they're constantly being given the chance. And every once in a while, they might actually 
do something well because of they have like good connections. You know, they might get Samuel Jackson and Bruce Willis to come in and be in a movie for you, but most of the time it's just garbage. They only got Bruce Willis because he had a contract with the studio that said he had to make two more pictures, and they're like, ah, we need to just give Bruce Willis something, just give him something to go off. It's like they're like, hey, there's this kid who's making this movie about this ghost thing. Let's just put him here. And that was it. And that's how he got on that project. Yep. Wow. And it's beautiful. It's the same way he got Unbreakable too, is because they were like, oh, he had a good success with this one. Let's put him on for the second project for this one, and we're done with Bruce Willis. Oh, yeah. Hold on. Have you guys seen any other Man Shyamalan movies? Like, what have you seen? Have you seen Oh, any? I mean, I've seen Unbreakable, Sixth Sense, um, what's the, uh, Signs. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one where he, the kid had the arrow on his head. Oh, that's not a movie. That's not a movie. Oh, okay, sorry. That was, that was a kid. That was a fever kid, right? dream that I had yeah. once. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, was right. that, that was yeah. that. fever pitch. There's, yeah. there's a there's yeah. a lot of movies on my sin list, and um, pretty much everything by M Night Shyamalan is on there. So yeah. really, you haven't seen any other? Sh- have you seen The Sixth Sense or like uh, Unbreakable? See, I, I'm I'm scared to answer because I can just feel people stabbing me just no. from different. It's it's fine. Spoiler alert! Shh, don't say anything. Samuel Jackson is the villain in Unbreakable. <laughs> I mean, oh yeah, he also made. Um, I mean, that's a spoiler. Yes, it's not the worst one. Yeah, yeah. But like, go twist yourself, Cameron. <laughs> oh yeah, when we curse in this, he edits he edits in the word twist instead. <laughs> so feel free to just so say you can twist. When we say twist, you edit in a curse no, word. No, no, it's just, it's just twist. Like, yeah. no one will know. Okay, he also made The Village, which was yeah. a pretty solid movie, except for the really, really except unnecessary twist. Because, like, he, it was M. Night Shyamalan being like, well, I have to throw a twist in. So he took a solid movie and then just put it on its head and it just it well, degraded it See, what so I think much. is he wanted to make, like, kind of a period, like, kind of thriller thing, but he didn't know how to end it. So he's like, what should I do? Oh, I can do a twist like I always do. Okay, here's the thing. I'm going to make a recommendation to our audience and and viewers, and also you guys. Uh, my favorite movie reviewer is called uh, YourMovieSucks.org on YouTube, and he has like a six-part retrospective of M. Night Shyamalan films, and it's fantastic. And it includes why The Village is a huge piece of twist. <laughs> <laughs> nice. There was also uh, Lady in the Water, which was not a good movie. Paul except Giamatti. Except for Paul Giamatti. I enjoyed him in that movie. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> mainly because I basically enjoy Paul Giamatti in almost anything. Yeah. I just saw him today in a... Do you see Inside Amy Schumer when she... He was oh, in yeah. He was in a sketch where it was like 12 Don't, Angry Men. Yeah, yeah. My sister told me about yeah, that. Yeah, I just saw it today. And it's amazing. Paul yeah. Giamatti's like actually brilliant in that. <laughs> he's such a great actor. No, he's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but we can't talk about something good. We have to talk about The Happening. The happening. Yeah. Uh, okay, I'll, you know, there are a couple moments in the film that are just like... The general awfulness is just, like, broken by just a true moment of, of, uh, Emerson defined it best when after each of these moments he yelled, what the tweets? <laughs> so, yeah. what was your favorite what the tweets? Well, I, I, I saved my what the tweets. What the twists for two specific moments. I don't remember exactly what they were. It's already kind of a blur. I believe one of them was the, the plastic plant. Yes. Was it one? Because that, that yes. was, uh... I think I believe you did that one. You did the uh, when Mark Wahlberg sings, and yeah. then when the old lady asks if uh, they're gonna murder her. Yeah, yeah, no, like, that, that was it. Yeah. yeah. What? No. Uh, if you need a good at Mark Wahlberg impression, just bust out a what? No. Mm-hmm. What was that? What was that? What? Huh? Huh? What Wait, was that? are you a co-op? What? Are you a co-op? 
Hey, I just I just need to think. Can everybody let me think? Everybody just give me a tweet. Just give me a tweet. You know, a really interesting thing is that when you go on IMTB and you look on the trivia list, the very first piece of trivia is that M. Night Shyamalan wrote the screenplay with Mark Wahlberg in mind for the lead role. Yeah. Why? Which, <laughs> you know, it actually kind of makes sense. It kind of makes sense because he had the Bruce Willis thing. Is that he did the uh, Sixth Sense with Bruce Willis, who at that point was known... The first thing he was known for was for Moonlighting, which was this TV did show you, in the yeah, 80s. Yeah. But then he broke through that by being in Die Hard. So then he immediately was just like... It's like George Clooney. It's like George Clooney went from being in... What was it? ER. ER to be... Was it ER? Yeah, he was, he was a star of ER. Oh, yeah. Um, to yeah. being in like a bunch of like actioning movies, stuff like that. Well, yeah, and then the dramas that like win Oscars yeah, yeah, yeah. and stuff. So, like, but like Bruce Willis, at that point, he was defined by being an action star. Mm-hmm. So he's like... So he's like, I'm going to take... Bruce Willis, and I'm gonna put him in my movie as like a dramatic role, and people are gonna be like interested by that. And this is exactly what he thought he was doing yeah. with this one with Mark Wahlberg. Yep. That's what he thought he was doing with Paul Giamatti too, but he forgot that. I uh, know we Giamatti. all know action star oh. Paul Giamatti. Hey, Amazing Spider-Man too. Am Did I right? Did you see John Adams? Oh, I so love that ten-minute fight sequence. Mm. But you know, it was filmed in one take. Whoa. Yeah. Hey, do you know all of Birdman was filmed in one take? Oh it's so great. Yeah. No, it wasn't, actually. Oh, I'm, bring, I'm bringing this up, because Cameron and I once had an argument, because I love Boyhood. He loves Birdman. I mean, I, I enjoyed Boyhood. We used well, to I, make I heard, fun uh, of it. I heard Boyhood took, like, 12 years. Okay, I think. love that movie, please. Okay, <laughs> so I have it. Here's the thing. I enjoyed Boyhood quite well. I enjoyed 12 Years a Boy. Uh, the problem was, is it's it's not that good of a movie outside of the fact that it took 12 years to make, and which is so impressive. Well, like, it's so impressive that they were able to get this cast to be on board for this movie. They were able to get everybody consistently create this story. But the problem is, is it doesn't have a plot. It's just yeah, it doesn't even looking. Have a script. Yeah, it's just I looking at life. But I... I... I don't mind that. Like, I'm one of the people in the camp and that's like, I don't... I, like, I like stories. Like, don't get me wrong. I like it when there's a through line... But I think Boyhood is like was my exception to the rule. It's just the fact that you know it, it's impressive, but it's not uh, the best movie you could have. This Where is true. Like, I'll, I'll, that's why I love Birdman. Yeah, I'll go out of my way and say that like yeah. technically no, it's not the best movie, but I just loved it so much just yeah. because of what it is. No, it's, if it's you're willing to admit that it doesn't do things right in yes. the way things should be done, but you enjoy it anyway, I, and that's okay. I looked at Patricia Arquette, wondered why she won an Oscar, and moved on with my life. Yeah. You know, but okay. I still think it's amazing. It's yeah. also funny because it, it was definitely it was started in an era when Ethan Hawke was very relevant, and it ended in an era when Where he was, was not. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's, he's also only ever been nominated for writing. Really? What was, what oh, no, he, no, he was for uh, one time for tr- uh, Training Day. But then the rest was just writing. Because he did the before series. He did before Sunrise. I do have to say, he was fantastic in Gattaca. I have Gattaca and the Dead Poet Society. Both fantastic. Not Dead Poet Society. Yeah. We're awful. We're terrible. I mean, film people. What? No! (laughs) But we have seen this movie. (laughs) I've seen it five times now. What's our time at? Uh, We're at 15 minutes, so we got like 10 minutes. Yeah, five. So apparently, the, uh, The Happening was shot in 44 days. And was started exactly eight years after the start of the Sixth Sense. You know, you know, good M Night always being sentimental. That's what I think of when I think of M Night, sentimentality. Yeah. And it was shot completely in sequence. And you know what? A much better movie that was shot completely in sequence was Mad Max. <laughs> really? They <laughs> completely in sequence? Huh? 
Because they actually they go back to certain places, so I feel like that'd be weird for them to shoot it in sequence. Yeah. You know, I mentioned, how, uh, like, we did this segment a couple of weeks ago about how what, what directors and what cast would replace things yeah. in this, and I mentioned Sam Raimi doing the happening, like, Evil Dead type oh, style. Okay. But now I'm thinking, like, George Miller doing the happening <laughs> would just be fantastic. He would have made it so crazy. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, if you guys could watch it with a different director, you said Wes Anderson before, but, like, if you had a different director, what, who would you pick? To put be in to be in charge of the happening. Uh, I'm I'm gonna stay on that Wes Anderson train. I need to see that. That yeah. needs to happen. All right, mm-hmm. Wes, if you're listening, you should direct the remake of the happening. Also, Wes, if you're listening, then don't do that. Just do something or else. Wait, yeah, so Wes, why Wes, are you listening? If you're listening, can you like come to my house yeah. and like put me? Can you can, can, you? can I get jobs with you? Wait, wait. Okay, if Wes Anderson came here tomorrow, tomorrow and was like, you know what, Sam, I know you want to direct it to Hard Sock Life, but. I really, uh, I want to direct It's a Hard Sock Life. Would you let him? Oh, I would let Wes yeah, Anderson yeah. direct It's a Hard Sock Life. By the way, <laughs> we've been dra- name dropping a little bit, but tomorrow, tomorrow. we're filming It's a Hard Sock Life, a, oh. a short film that I wrote and that Sam so is directing. I'll be directing. Uh, and uh, Emerson. Danny, Danny will be our, our yeah. wonderful uh, Jimmy, the lead character on the puppet show that the show the is show based on. The show within a show. The show within a show. Actually, the show within a show within a show. Of course. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because it's... Oh, yes. Oh, yeah, because the... Reality shows the show within the show. Yeah. Then there's the show within the show with the show. Yeah, and there's also uh, Margot and the Bear, which is the other show oh, within the show within, within the show. show within the yeah. show. And Emerson. And then Emerson is I'm our. I'm in charge of putting all those shows on a screen. Yep. So Emerson is our director of photography. He'll be putting his fingers together to make a rectangle a lot and looking at things that way. Uh, you know, no one actually does DP that. Everywhere. Yeah. Mm, so much mm. DP all across yes, the land. You know. Mm. That that that's disgusting. Get out. He's drinking DP. I'm diet actually drinking DP. diet DP. So DDP. Double DP. My favorite Mitch Hedberg joke. They say diet Dr. Pepper tastes exactly like Dr. Pepper. Well, then they... Tweets! Uh, anyways. Uh, Alright, so... Uh, let's do another segment. I love segments. What... If you could see any character that you saw in this movie who didn't die, but you wanted to see how they killed themselves, how do you think they would a, kill a themselves? A death that happened off screen. Yeah. yeah. Oh, uh, Joey. Joey, the guy that was obsessed with Zoe Deschanel's character. Oh, yeah. Oh, how do you want to see Joey yeah. die? Um, well, obviously. Death by tiramisu. Yeah. Oh. Like, I want him to oh, come to oh, a bakery. Oh, that's great. Because like, one man turned on a lawnmower machine and allowed it to travel around a, like an entire field and then laid down in front of it, like 20 feet in front of it. So obviously, this you know bacteria allows people to do a lot of prior planning. So he mm. probably, Joey, walks into a kitchen and made just a gigantic tiramisu and baked himself into it oh. while repeating hello. Yes. Oh, oh that's so brilliant. Oh. Yeah. You know, I, I have mine. I have okay, mine. Cool. I want Alan Ruck, who played the uh, pr- principal of the school in the vital scene that he was in. Mm-hmm. I think he's like on the phone with his agent, like, listen, I know I'm not that famous of an actor, but I believe I've shown enough range to not be relegated to a single scene as the principal in high school. And then that's when the wind hits him, and that's when he just starts beating himself with his phone as he's on the phone with his agent. No, see, I was... I'm dying, Ferris. I'm dying, I I would have just assumed he would have gotten in the car and, like, driven it out of his house. Yeah, or dropped himself in a pool chair. Yeah, Yeah, that probably would have happened. By the way, Ferris Bueller's Day Off is a great movie. It's so good. Such a good movie. Yeah. I'm directing a stage adaptation of The Breakfast Club. Oh my gosh, we're doing so much like... that actually... 
Did it actually? Yeah, it's happening. It it's actually, actually, yeah, it's happening. Oh, um, yeah. And um, and I'm so excited for that. And what's interesting is that for the Breakfast Club is not even my favorite John Hughes movie. It's Ferris Bueller's Day Off. It's Ferris Bueller's Day Off. It's amazing. It's also where I got my name. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I was named after a camera. That is awesome. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Though, also, to be, to be fair, be. it is much easier and safer to start yourself trying to do a stage adaptation of, Ferris, of a Breakfast Club than yeah. it would be to try and do well, a hey, I don't think there's a Ferrari in the TPS we're, budget. No. We're here, three boys. And the the Breakfast Club, it's it's amazing. There's there's three boys in the. I think actually there are five I think men in the Breakfast Club. I think three. No, three, I said three here. boys. Three boys. I'm not consider yourself a boy, but I consider myself to be a man. Well, that's unfortunate. A but I think you should have your. I think you just have your cast right here. Yeah, I mean, yeah. That's probably what it is. Actually, I've always thought that Ferris Bueller's Day Off would make a great like Broadway musical. Oh um, yeah. yeah, yeah. I can see it. Yeah. Oh, I'm glad I, I got the Emerson seal of approval. Of the, <laughs> I love some of the like people who have gone into the well fan theories, and then what would happen after the movie for Ferris Bueller's Day Off, just because of the fact that there's the whole the fact that like everyone in this town loves Ferris Bueller so much that when Cameron finally talks to his dad and tells him that it was Ferris Bueller that did it, his dad's not going to believe him. Because he'd be like, how dare you? Ferris Bueller was lying in a hospital bed, dying from some <laughs> disease, <laughs> and you're <laughs> blaming him for destroying my car. And then he just goes crazy on him. So, like, obviously Cameron is going to walk away with no, this. No, obviously Cameron's going to kill his dad. Obviously. That's, that's, that's what happens after the movie ends. Yeah, wow, that was, that was extreme. Yeah. Yeah, and obviously Ferris ends up dying of a drug overdose at 27. Yeah, that he bought from Charlie Sheen, the guy from the station yeah. earlier, or Martin Sheen. Did you know that to get the to get his eyes to look so red, he literally just dug his knuckles into his eyes right before? Yeah, he did he also stay awake for like forty eight hours? See, yeah. that's the thing is, have you ever? Well, as somebody who has insomnia, um, <laughs> I've stayed awake for like seventy two hours straight at some points. And whenever I've done that, I always been like looking in the mirror and be like, "Damn, I really wish I had a role as like a drug addict right now because I would be on point for that." I what I'm saying is, Sam, write me. Sam, as I said, looking at Danny. <laughs> I mean, one of us would do it. <laughs> Sam, write me a role as a drug addict so I can stay awake for seventy-two hours and play it. <laughs> it was a few weeks ago. I accidentally worked. You took drugs. Thirty-six hours straight. Oh. How do you accidentally work? It's, just because, don't do it. It's happened to me. It's well, happened. Well, no, it's because like I, it was like a month prior. I had agreed to work as a PA overnight from like six to six in the morning, and then a few weeks later, I got a job which needed me to be working from nine in the morning until like one in the afternoon, and then a few weeks after that, I got a job working in an office building um, on Mondays and Thursdays, and so it happened where Wednesday morning I got up. And I worked. And then I only had like two hours off. And then I did this overnight shoot. Uh, and then I went immediately to my job again. Uh, and then after that, I went immediately to another uh, job. Uh, Danny, you have a problem with doing things? Slightly. Like, How are you alive now? He's uh, a well, if you notice, I'm drinking a Coca-Cola. Well, what does it say on that? Superstar. Aww. Which is what you are. Yeah, hey, give me that can. And on that bombshell. <laughs> <laughs> you just gotta ignite the light. light. And, and let, let it shine. shine. Just own the, the night, like it's the 4th, 4th of July. July. Wow. Baby, that song 
plays a pivotal part in the movie The Interview. It's beautiful. And I just watched that last night on Netflix, and it's actually a lot better than I thought it what? was. What? The Interview? What? No, it's really no. Bad. I no. Like... The Emerson. The, the Emerson. <laughs> you were just, <laughs> you're just you're just naming whoever you see. <laughs> the Interview is a piece of twist. But here's the thing. I knew it was gonna be twist. Slightly better than a twist. You have to go. You have to go into it knowing what kind of movie it is. No. Twist. 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 Knowing what kind of. Well, you're the kind of person who says turn off your brain to somebody who doesn't like a movie. That's bull- Twist! No, I'm not saying turn off your brain if you don't like Wait, a movie. no, what kind- No, no, listen, I love that kind of movie. I love Pineapple Express. I love This Is The End. The interview just wasn't funny. I thought it was hilarious. The first 20 minutes were kind of funny. I, yeah, no, the those were definitely them was entertaining. Yes. Yeah. Like, when they were making fun of celebrities and making fun of talk shows, those were really good, because you could see the celebrities making fun of themselves and having fun with it. And then it started to kind of go down. Yes. Yeah, I, I, I did enjoy it past that. I really yeah. didn't. I thought it was funny for a lot of it. And I know, apparently I make commentary that Cameron does what? not like. The part I liked about the movie that I was surprised by is I thought going into it, they were just basically going to do a caricature of Kim Jong-un the entire time. Kind of like a South Park, like make him so ridiculous. Yeah. But they basically, they made him into a human being. Yeah, they turned him into a real Which, yeah, and I didn't care. <laughs> Well, no, it would be cool if I didn't, if I cared. It's just like that's the thing that really caught me off guard is they actually turned him into a person instead of just doing a really ridiculous caricature. But see, but his character made sense. It was like he's living in the shadow of his father. He's got all these people around him with expectations. Like it had character traits. That I don't want to feel bad for Kim Jong. Oh, you don't? No, you know, crazy. You're, no, you're not supposed to feel bad. You're just supposed to understand. Yeah. yeah, but it also was like the same thing where it's like James Franco played the same character I always plays. Seth Rogen played the same character. Well, I mean, I say, say James Franco played the same character he always plays in Seth Rogen movies. Whenever yes. he's playing alongside Seth Rogen in a movie, yes, he exactly. plays the same character. Which is hilarious considering that Seth Rogen himself can only play one character. Now. Except for Steve Wozniak. Steve Wozniak, yeah. yeah that's he's going to play Steve Wozniak yeah. in the next Steve Jobs movie. Oh yeah, I was going to say. Wait, Seth Rogen? Yeah, yeah. Seth Rogen is going to play Steve Wozniak. Is it, is it? He gives the weirdest uh, delivery in that trailer. Yeah. yeah like, well, I think it's because he's trying to act for real this time. Yeah. Isn't, He's going for that Jonah Hill. Isn't James Franco going to be playing Tommy Wiseau in The Disaster Artist? Tommy, Should James, James, eventually no, James, one day. No, James Franco is signed on to play Tommy Wiseau. When is that going to happen? Oh, that's amazing. It's, they were planning on shooting it like either at the end of this year or like next year, and Dave Franco, his brother, is going to play Greg Sestero. Yes! Oh, that's, oh, that's beautiful. That's fantastic. Okay, <laughs> the only thing that I don't like about that happening is, happening. Happening, <laughs> is the fact that Tommy Wiseau is going to receive money for it. So is Greg Sestero, though. Yeah, because Greg Sestero wrote the book. The, the thing is, like, it's, it's not actually... They're not going to take it based off the movie. They're going to take it based off the book, which technically doesn't owe anything to Tommy that Wiseau. Yeah. That falls into, like, the area of, like, of, like, prose... Not prose, but, um... Like, autobiographical stuff. Yeah, yeah. like, you can, you can write stuff and not have to pay, like, the person it's about. Exactly. Like, I love watching and making fun of The Room, but I always feel bad anytime somebody goes out and buys a copy of it, because they're giving money to yeah. a terrible yeah. human yes. being. Except apparently Greg Cicero does get money off of, like, the back end of that. Like, he does get money off He's a producer, so, like, he yeah, gets, he gets, he gets yeah. money off of it. Yeah, so but, I like that. I like the idea that, like, Greg is getting money whenever someone buys The Room. But, or goes with a showing and throws yeah. spoons. But the thing yeah. is, like, he... Tommy Wiseau gave executive producer credit to do two dead people, which means he gets all the money. No, yeah. It, that, that way he had full control over Except the yeah, I sincerely believe that Tommy Wiseau doesn't understand what money is. 
So he gets it and he like he they like have money on planet. He like wraps it. <laughs> he like he like uses it as a seaweed and sushi. And he's like, mmm, very nice. It's good. Well, <laughs> on that note. Do we have any last words about the happening itself? Except for, like, the fact that we've been staring at a paused image of the end credits for, like, how long now? Uh, it's been on for about 27 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Long live Christ McKenzie. Christ McKenzie. Mm. Well, Christ McKenzie died, remember. Yeah. Yeah, that was the problem. Now he lives again. So Um, now he's later. All all I gotta say is, uh... Cheese and crackers. Cheese, Cheese and crackers. Wait, wait, does anyone have any names for the title of no, this episode? No, no, I have the title. Oh, you have the, the title episode? episode. I entitled the episode. Please. All right, well, let's unintroduce ourselves. Well, all right. So, uh, I've been Sam. I've been Emerson. I will continue to be Danny. And I am Cameron, and this has been What's Happening, Episode 5, Hot Dogs Get a Bad Rep. Mm, yes, they do. Mm-hmm. Good night, America.